Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 33. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready to host the Baltimore Ravens in a pretty important AFC North matchup here in week number five. As always, Dave is here. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, happy Friday. Uh, doing well. Got a little bit of got an extra about 45 minutes of sleep last night. Uh, I don't know how I was able to do that because right before I went to bed, I watched uh, uh, more defensive reel on the uh, Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. <laughs> uh, I don't know how, how I was able to sleep after that, but uh, got a jam packed show today to uh, to bring to people. And evidently, I didn't run everybody off after that, that kind of late uh, episode rant that I had. I think a lot of people heard back from a few people that actually enjoyed uh, seeing that side of Dave come out there. Uh, but uh, within that, great show on tap today. So let's get after it. Yeah, we love a good Dave rant from time to time. Are you are you sleeping the way that Giants DC Wink Martindale is sleeping? He said he mm. sleeps like a baby watching the Dolphins offense. He wakes up every two hours and cries and goes to the bathroom and goes back to sleep. Is that your your vibe last night? I, I tell you what, after watching that Ravens offense, I, you know, it's not like you know Lamar Jackson hasn't been uh, worrisome in, in in the past, but. Uh, Man, there's a lot of wild throws on tape uh, from him so far. And obviously, he's still able to get it done uh, with his legs. So uh, it's not interrupting my sleeping overall. No, uh, you know, once again, I, I think their defense is really impressive, but it is. You know, it's another layer for the Steelers to have to worry about. Uh, Terrell Austin's probably kind of kind of not not probably waking up in the middle of the night a couple <laughs> of times. That that's for sure there. But uh, uh yeah, look, interesting team that the Steelers have to face this week. And speaking of Baltimore, a little bit later in this show, we'll have a Ravens beat writer on Jonas Schaefer, who covers the team for the Baltimore banner. We'll talk with him, get his perspective on all things Ravens. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. But Dave, we'll start here and keep it with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their Thursday injury report came out yesterday. Friday report probably out by the time people are listening to this, but we'll go through what we know as of Friday morning and very much appears Kenny Pickett is going to start this game. He was limited on Wednesday. He was a full participant on Thursday. Don't have official game status for Friday, but based on what he said, based on the practice report, fully expect Kenny Pickett to start against Baltimore on Sunday. Yeah, uh, I went into the, what was it, the Monday show wondering if, if that would be the case, but it quickly worked itself out, uh, uh, in the wash and Wednesday, he was, uh, out there on the practice field and, 
you know, talked on Wednesday and said he's, you know, you know, really on track to play. And then you followed up with Thursday with a full practice. So barring any kind of setback uh, that, that he might have on, on Friday, I mean, he's going to, he's going to be back uh, out, out there again. And, uh, you know, keep, keep, your, keep your fingers crossed there. I mean, the bone bruise with the knee and I know Dr. Mel did a great post on that. So uh, we'll, it does, I don't think he wore a brace in the Thursday practice. We'll have to see if he has to wear one on Friday, but it seems like he's just going to tough it out uh, mm-hmm. uh, through this and, and get in, you know, obviously the buy, if he can stay healthy uh, for this game on Sunday, uh, a big importance there and then get to the bye week and, and kind of rest that knee up a little bit there. But uh, barring any kind of setback, it, it sounds like Kenny's going to be the guy out there. It does. I think the biggest question is what you just mentioned. Will he wear a brace? And my guess is he won't because I think it's going to limit his mobility more than what he's going to prefer. But I think if there's one thing to look for just to see, is there any maybe a sleeve instead of a bigger brace that he wears something that may help in, in some regard. So that may be the one thing to watch here. Another thing to watch here is Alex Highsmith. He did not practice on Thursday due to a groin injury. Is that just a minor thing where you've seen some guys just randomly pop up and not practice for a day and then be good for the final report. So we'll be watching him closely. Also not practicing on Thursday. Hunter Presley Harvin with the hamstring injury. Dan Moore Jr. who's already been ruled out with a knee injury. James Daniels did not practice Wednesday nor Thursday with the groin doubt he's going to play against Baltimore and Pat Frymuth also out with the hamstring injury. Uh, he's not expected to play in this game, DeMarvin Liao was limited as he works through concussion protocol and in full, in addition to Pickett, more linebacker Cole Holcomb with a back and offensive tackle Chuck Wuma, a core four with an elbow injury he's been battling. Sounds like uh, you almost have an inactive list there, right? <laughs> That's true, right? Harvin. Well, I mean, I know Tomlin said on Tuesday they'll look at him late in the week. I'm going to guess Harvin's not going to punt. Moore is going to be out. I assume Daniels will be out. Frymuth, so... Yeah, that's that's a good bulk of the list right there. It is, uh, and I I think Leal's cut. We'll see what happens with Leal, and then obviously uh, Alex Highsmith is, is is a bigger name to watch, and hopefully it's just one of those things where uh, you know just maybe a little bit of tightness needed the needed the day off, and hopefully he can get back after it on Friday. But it'd be a huge, obviously be huge if they're if they don't have him, they they need all hands on deck uh, if 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 you know that they can get here for this game on Sunday against the Ravens here. But uh, it sounds like, you know, I, what, what we kind of laid out there with the guys that aren't playing and then you mix in uh, Mason Rudolph is the third quarterback and we'll see about Leal. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have any elevations on Saturday or not or not, but it, even if they do, it should be hard to put together an inactive list overall. And it, it, it sounds like a couple of these guys like uh, Desmond King and, Maybe are we going to see some Braden Fajoko this week, Alex? Mm-hmm. Potentially. We'll talk about that more in a moment, but Terrell Austin seemed to hint that these are games that Fajoko is built for. And look, I mean, they haven't dressed him yet. So, uh, and and I think in so many words, Austin said uh, these, these type of situations are built for Braden Fajoko's. Well, I think there could have been a couple other ones uh, <laughs> early in the season. We talked about maybe potentially getting him uh, on the field for, but uh, we'll see how the Friday injury report plays out, especially with a guy like Highsmith. But once again, I, I think we're going to have 
at least by Saturday afternoon when those ele- when when an elevation or two may or may not take. Is Gunner going to get a helmet almost by default or no? With Des Fitzpatrick being waived, potentially, I had not gone through a list of potential inactives, but seems possible. I'm going to guess Leal's not going to go. It does seem like he was diagnosed with a concussion. That's why he didn't practice Wednesday. And I don't know if there's been a player in the NFL that has actually been officially concussed who came back you know, within a week of him suffering the injury. So we'll see. But my guess is a thumbs down on DeMarvin Leal. Well, if that's the case, then, and assuming Alex Highsmith goes... Yeah, you know, it all depends on if you have a sixth or seventh inactive then uh due 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 to elevations there. So I you know, it does indeed seem like Fahoko's gonna get on the field. Probably Gunner by default. Desmond King, it definitely sounds like it's gonna be in 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 uniform as well, too. So keep your fingers crossed on Alex Highsmith, though. I don't want to harp on this point too much, but because we made such a it was such a big topic of discussion for us and just Steelers media wise, the team was in pads on Wednesday, as Mike Tomlin said, no pads on Thursday, though, which is interesting because if I'm reading the CBA right, there's one week out of the season. You can be in pads for two days during a week or at least during the first 11 weeks of the season. And so Tomlin, had he elected to, could have been in pads Wednesday and Thursday was only in pads on Wednesday. So for to talk about needing to be physical and the, the changes that were going to be practice attire, Tomlin opting to go with just the one day in pads. Yeah, we'll we'll see how all that plays out, especially when you're having a couple of guys you know miss on Wednesday. There, uh, I can only imagine how the questioning will go after the game if if this doesn't go well, and and even on the heels of putting them in pads for however many days he put them in pads for. Sure. And to be fair, whether or not they were in pads Wednesday, Thursday, yes, no, it's not going to be something we talk about coming out of this Ravens game. You know, it's not going to be like, oh, if they were only in pads on Thursday, they would have beat the Ravens. You know, that, that's not going to be the conversation. But it is notable just given, you know, obviously how much attention those Tomlin, Tomlin comments got on Tuesday. Right. What if they do win, though? Is is, is the focus going to be on, boy, <laughs> got to get them in. Uh, but the CBA dictates you can only have them in pads so much, you know. Right. So, I mean, I don't think it'll change that equation too much. You'll have the bye week, but, you know, it'll probably be a point that Tomlin makes about getting back to physicality. And of course, physicality very much required to win these Steelers Ravens games. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk coordinators here. And Matt Canada wondered how Thursday was going to go. Of course, there was a lot of question. It was a I mean, it was a long press conference for him. And I I don't know exactly where you want to begin here. Um I don't think it was as bad as some people, you know, will will throw the, the barbs at him. I think the most frustrating thing, and at this point, I shouldn't be frustrated because I've come to expect it, but Canada asked about the decision-making, the play calling on that failed fourth and one where Kenny Pickett got hurt and just said it was uh, the play that we had and didn't work, which thank you for that information, Matt Canada. I, was, I wasn't sure of that, but I know that he's never going to really delve into what the thought process was on any particular play. So I shouldn't expect him to to say much anyway. Yeah, look, uh, obviously the the uh, the more topical things he was asked several times about that come from behind comment to the, the, the CBS crew uh, last week, and uh, you know he pawned off as an unbelievable misinterpretation uh, based on kind of a, I guess more of a question of why uh, of of uh, that revol- revolved around a conversation of why. They ran more runs and play action against the Raiders versus uh, the uh, versus you know the 49ers. And then I don't know how 
it sounds like he just started talking and maybe the words didn't come out of his mouth. I'm talking about the conversation with CBS that they interpreted uh, one way. And obviously the way it was presented during the broadcast was, you know, basically framed as him saying that we aren't built to come from behind. And I don't know what led to all this, but you had to know that the way Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta framed it, it do you take it as a misinterpretation or was this kind or or what do you believe that the way maybe Matt the words came out of Matt Canada's mouth in that conversation with them led to them framing uh framing it that way because this whole thing blew up you know obviously mm-hmm. uh right after uh, uh, Spiro Ditas had said that during the broadcast and you had to know that, that Matt can and he spent a lot, it was a long answer he gave. And then later he was asked to kind of clarify that. Do you have confidence in this team being built to come from behind? And half the press conference was merely him saying that, look, I have confidence in this team, uh, coming from behind. And here's why here, here's maybe why they took my comments one way. I'm sorry to interrupt here, Dave, but there's some breaking news coming in. Chase Claypool has been traded. The Bears were actually able to unload him. He's going to Miami, and so he's going to go join the best offense in football. Don't know compensation just coming in right now from Ian Rappaport. Uh, The quote that sends a prolonged drama and gives Claypool a fresh start. They've tried to trade him since last week after he was a healthy scratch. Now everyone moves on. So probably get compensation here as we go through the podcast, but Chase Claypool I thought they were going to have to just cut the guy. I didn't think there was enough value there based on everything, the weight of evidence. But uh, the Dolphins, I think, in a position to to take this risk. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's your reaction. I, I, I'd rather be so you'd rather be lucky than good, right? <laughs> uh, sometimes, uh, boy, what a fortunate situation for him to uh, to go to uh, over there. I'm, they couldn't have got much for him, right? Oh, it has to be a conditional. Oh, it says uh, Di- Diana Rusini says it will be a 2025 six from from Miami for Claypool and a 2025 seventh from Chicago. So okay, they so, so they did a they did a six and seventh pick swap. Yeah, so I mean, as little as you can give up there. So I think Miami, if it doesn't work for Miami, they can probably just cut them and right. They're, they're going to be just fine overall. So. Interesting news there. I did not think Claypool trade was going to be the uh, the news uh, right after they get the win. So Chase Claypool can can quote unquote celebrate the Bears win, although he was doing that from home, and now he is a Miami Dolphin. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, where uh, where were we? Yeah, the Matt Canada comments about right. the CBS comments and that whole thing. Honestly, I was not as up in arms over it as other people were. My first thought was, yeah, duh, Pittsburgh's not built to come from behind. They're not a pass heavy, you know score it well type of team. So I, I assume the comment was in the context of we're a team that's built to run the ball, get a lead early, grind out the clock. So I, I was not taken aback by those comments. And also I was never really said it, but I thought about it, you know, what, what was the context of it? So, you know, to, I mean, people probably will, will disagree, but I take Canada at his word on this one. Um, I think it was a reasonable explanation that he had, and I'm not too upset about the, you know, what was initially said. And I think Canada's response seems, Fair. So there's a there's a lot of reasons to criticize this guy, not like this guy, but to me, this is not one of them. Yeah, fair enough. But uh, I I would be interested, and we'll never know. Uh, I, I would be interested to 
maybe hear a rebuttal from Didis and Archuleta, which you're probably not going to get just what kind of, because I mean, it was kind of frank. It was framed very negative, negative. The way they framed it during the broadcast was framed very negatively. Right. Yes. But it was also a th- probably, I don't think Spiro would have guessed this would have gotten as much attention as it did. It was almost more of a throwaway type comment that that got legs. So I don't know if it was meant to be as negative as it turned out to be perceived as. I expected Matt Canada to be asked about this on Thursday. I did not expect that it would be as many response, long-winded responses from Canada on this. Did he help or hurt himself, or did it even matter how doesn't, long? Doesn't matter. His responses are on this. I will. I will sum this up with what I put out on Twitter and really this is kind of no different how we have kind of thought with this whole, will there be a change uh, uh, with, with the court? Is there any, you know, everybody asking if there's going to be any, is there a possibility for a change with the offensive coordinator? Here's, here's what I put out on Twitter yesterday after the Matt Canada uh, 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 presser. If ever there were a possible week, for a Steelers coordinator to be fired, it would be next week. If you get blown out by the Ravens at home and score minimal points along with, would you, is it, is it fair to characterize Thursday as a turbulent Canada Thursday presser? Is that fair? I mean, when was the last non-turbulent Canada moment there's been? But it was, it was more fiery and long, you know, uh, maybe turbulent. not, not the best word. Uh, how about the nature of the, how about using the nature of the Canada Thursday presser and, in, 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 instead of the word turbulent, uh, along with the nature of, of Canada's Thursday presser that we, that, that might be enough to be that quote unquote, this juncture for Tomlin going into the bye week. I, I still feel, and I ended the tweet still unlikely, but if ever there were a time dot, 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 that would seem to be it. Yeah, I agree on that. I think if they're going to make a change, as we discussed Wednesday, it's going to be during the bye. That is the most logical time, and it really kind of works together with where this offense has struggled and and the bye being now as opposed to, say, week 10 or week 11. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of how do you judge this uh, presser with the others, I don't know. I think they're all been pretty similar and probably irrelevant in the grand scheme of things they just have to produce. So there there was probably... There were some longer answers by Canada, some more pointed questions, but I thought it was relatively typical. All right. Uh, that guy's got to wear a disguise or something when he goes to uh, Giant Eagle. <laughs> I don't know if he goes. He's probably not one to go to the grocery store. Probably knows that's, uh, which is probably a sad commentary. Uh, yeah, but how, how do you even go get gas or, you know, <laughs> honey, fill up the, make sure the cars are full. I don't want to have to stop. He's not at the pump, I'm guessing. Uh, he's a point A and back to the house kind, 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 uh, to practice and back home, right? Uh, uh, kind of guy. Look, uh, Man, I, I can only imagine. And if this team gets down, I mean, with with, with coming off of the, you know, the uh, the chance and all like that. I mean, if this thing doesn't go well early uh, for this offense against the Ravens at home, this it could get real ugly in the stadium again. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, again, it's as Canada fairly said, it's a results oriented business, but the reality is the results have not been there for three years. And you can blame a lot of things for that players execution. But the, the commonality here is the OC and eventually that bill comes due. All right. And he said he doesn't have a burner account, right? I can't believe he was asked that question, Dave. I was just surprised that someone actually asked that. I I, I mean, what is the evidence? I mean, you, I think you uh, dismissed that whole the email and how it might be Steelers.com or whatever it was. And is that, you know, not making sense? So, yeah, uh, I don't know why he was asked that question. All right. Um uh- but did anybody hear anything else he had to say, really, other than because all of, obviously most of it was built around uh, the the CBS comments and all? What else? What what other? What were the other main takeaways? Not that we get too many of them on on any other week. Um, I, th- those were kind of the main takeaways overall. I don't know what else there really was. I said the game plan's not going to change with Kenny Pickett and, and the injury there, the preparation, everything's going to be the same. So, I mean, not surprising to hear that, but that was the response from Matt Canada. All right. And he talked about the running back rotation, Eddie Faulkner playing a role in that and how if they, if they have a hot hand the way they did, you know, uh, for a little bit there in that game against uh, the Texans, they're not a, basically – Basically, they're going to do it by feel still, right? Uh, in terms of what were you referencing? Run, run, running, back, running back rotation and usage. Yeah, Dave. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say about the rotation at this point. The rotation is pretty much firmly established in terms of Harris, more early down guy, more on third down back. He's going to rotate in occasionally on early downs. I think it's worked well. I'm not sure what else reporters or anyone's really looking for from that conversation. All right. Uh, defensive side of football. Terrell Austin, not not seemingly open to the idea of giving Joey Porter more playing time or at least not starting, saying that it probably wouldn't go that far in terms of, you know, an expanded role for him or full time type of role that they're happy with where he's at, that he's making progress. That's probably a bit frustrating, though. And listen, I've been more understanding of their slow playing a Porter than probably most people. But I think at this point game circumstances dictating his snap count too much where you play seven snaps in the opener 10 snaps against the texans because you know getting blown out so it's it's hurting his ability to get to get reps in overall and just given the struggles the cornerbacks have had i think there's got to be exploring bumping up his role to some degree i agree and i i do kind of wonder though maybe if uh because of uh, lamar being such a mobile uh quarterback uh with potentially, in other words, the Steelers may be playing, you know, he- heavier zone and uh, Joey being, I mean, but Joey has played decent in, 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 in all snap zone and man so far, you know, uh, and he definitely is physical. And I, I wonder if just the game plan and, and what they're expecting in coverage is playing into this, or if they truly believe that, you know, they, he's still not up to where he needs to be in, in all packages. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to be where he's a dime guy or a full-time guy. I had the suggestion of playing him in nickel so he wouldn't be in your base 3-4, which Pittsburgh's been in about 40% of the season uh, so far. So it would not be an every-down type role, but I think you have to start finding ways to to get your rookies played well. We are now five weeks into the year. It's not week one. I think he's probably got a good lay of the land and how, to, how practice works and game planning works and some of those things to look for. So I don't know if this is about do they not want to 
reduce Patrick Peterson's role or I don't, they're, they're not going to bench Patrick Peterson just from kind of the, you know, they signed him to be this guy and he's here to, you know, hoping to be this guy. So right or wrong, I think, I think that's part of the calculation there, but can you play Peterson in, inside more and get some more slot work, which is probably better for him and some of that lack of speed to me, those things make more sense. Yeah. And you, you know, when you talk about the Ravens specifically, this is a team he's going to have to match up with for the next several years, right? Uh, uh, would you want to start getting them into this thing? Yeah, I would. And, and again, I understand not trying to put too much on his plate and let him play in kind of more clear passing situations where you have to absorb less of what may be happening offensively. And I think there's value in playing in those time packages of the high leverage moments and you're always in a big weighty situation. There's never a first and 10 dive up the middle for two yards where you really don't do much of anything. So I think it does accelerate development, but Again, I think the the big issue is just that you're getting in situations where game circumstances not allowing this guy to play, where he's just stuck on the sidelines because you're falling behind or teams aren't in third and long and they're staying on schedule. And so Porter's just not able to give you the reps to help you. And that's becoming a problem. And look, this is a pedigree guy, right? I mean, if you want to boil it down. Yeah, it's technically the uh, first pick of the second round, but we're talking about, a, you know, uh, 32nd overall is deemed a first round pick, you know, in, in, in general years here. And you, you still finding ways to get this guy on or fi- finding having issues trying to get this guy on the field? Yeah. So especially it's not like you're hey, look, it'd be one thing if you, you know, if you're a lockdown secondary and, and, and the numbers had been better at this point, but, uh, right. th- uh, but they haven't been, you know? Sure. So, uh, yeah, you know, who, now the question is, you know, who do you take off and who do you move around? And those things are, are tougher to, to deal with, but I think there are some ways for Pittsburgh to handle that and they don't really seem to have an, ap- an appetite to do so right now. Right. What else from Austin? Uh, I'm trying to think. He did mention the, 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 the Fahoko and the Desmond King, or are, 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 we kind of already highlighted, but we can go more in depth than that. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds for sure that King's going to get his first defensive snaps of the season in Pittsburgh this year. Uh, in in this game, I should say. So, what exactly does that look like? Austin would would not comment on a large role, small role, but it sounds like he's going to get some nickel snaps was that going to be in, in this team's nickel package where Sullivan was was the nickel corner and, and could King overtake him a more physical run-stopping guy against his Ravens you know rushing attack that 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 makes sense to me yeah it makes sense from uh to me as well too and they've been talking about trying to get but it, how, you know you're able to get him up to speed enough but you can't get Joey up up to speed enough right yeah I mean again I think it comes down okay just just to go back to Porter for a moment how would you get him more snaps and how would you move the other guys around? Yeah. Uh, I, I wish at this point he would have got more snaps on the other side up until at, this at, point at right corner. Yeah. Right. So could he play there? Yeah, he could. But as you said, he's not gotten a lot of snaps there in Pittsburgh. So is that, is that shame on them for not getting him some snaps uh, throughout these games on that other side? It's a fair question. It would go back to training camp because he was mostly left corner during camp and probably in the spring. He has played some right corner there, but I I don't know what their their reasoning was. If he was just more comfortable on that side, corners sometimes are more comfortable on one side than the other. I I, I couldn't tell you for sure. Well, here's the good news about Desmond King. He's a physical physical player down low. Yeah, I think he's going to be suited well for games like like these. Right. And then with Fajoko... 
Austin didn't say he was going to play, but said something about if there's ever, uh, yeah, yeah, if there's ever games designed for Fajokos, it's this one. Right. Uh, games like this are, are built for Fajokos. And, and again, injuries may open that spot up naturally. If, if a Leal can't dress, then that's going to probably give the hat. I think Benton's going to play some right defensive end in this game. So that's going to require more of a backup nose tackle behind Travis Adams. So I imagine Fajoko will dress and, you know, it's probably just a good thing because you're facing a tough Ravens rushing attack that runs the ball well. And Pittsburgh's run defense has been one of the worst in football. All right. Uh, specifically on King, he says, I think he's getting more comfortable in our system. I think that line on the depth chart represents the fact that he's had some growth here with us and learning our system, and he's probably ready to go. What his role will be on Sunday could be small, could be large. It all depends on what happens in game, how the game unfolds. Yeah, so not a lot of detail in what that'll be. I think he's going to probably play in their nickel package. Does he play in dime? It's going to be the question. Do they maybe do something there? I don't know, but that's a possibility. All right, so uh, we should see see him and hopefully Fajoko in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, so anything else, from, time. anything else from the coordinator, Dave? Uh, I don't think there was anything. I think he talked about tackling a little bit, didn't he? And we all know, uh, didn't did you do a, a video on hidden yardage and all? And tack, and I know Josh Carney hit. They're tackling damn sure better be better this week <laughs> than it was last week. Yeah, they're going to make you pay all these yak guys and Lamar and Zay Flowers and the power of Gus Edwards. If you don't, you don't tackle, you don't wrap up. You're going to be in for a long, long day. All right. We're to uh, out of coordinator corner here. I think we can continue with the Ravens here and talk to our friend Jonas Schaefer, who writes for the Baltimore banner. You can follow him on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. That's S-H-A-F-F-E-R. We'll take a pause and come back with him. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday. It is week five of the NFL season. It is Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, one o'clock at Acrisure Stadium. And as we usually like to do on a Friday, have in an opposing beat writer uh, who covers the other team. And with it being Ravens week, Got a treat. We got Jonas Schaefer back from the Baltimore Banner. Now with the Baltimore Banner, I think the last time we left off uh, with uh, with Jonas, he was writing uh, for the Baltimore Sun. But now with the Baltimore Banner, you can follow Jonas on Twitter. You already should be doing this. But if not, at Jonas, J-O-N-A-S underscore Schaefer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R. Jonas, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I should say you can also follow me on my uh, burner account, Dan Robbins. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it's made it all the way over there, I see. I'm <laughs> oh, uh, sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Uh, hey, no, no problem. Hey, if that's you, you really had them up in arms. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I will tell you that. Uh, Jonas, let's start off. Uh, with, with kind of a, a topical question here, you know, obviously Ravens uh, Steelers week, you've, 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 you've been around and done uh, quite a few of these now. Does it feel like Ravens Steelers week? Does it feel like it's the same kind of uh, energy? I know there's a couple of interesting quotes from Patrick queen and, you know, a couple of the other guys who are, you know, uh, kind of asked the, the usual uh, Ravens Steelers week kind of questions though. But does this really feel like a Ravens Steelers week, a, a usual one? It doesn't, and I don't know if barring just 
you know, a couple games where dudes just start hating each other will ever really get back to that level of hatred and bloodshed and you know animosity. I mean, I, it's it's just such a different, you know, I'm a relatively young guy and it's just such a different environment in the NFL where so many of these guys are training together. So many of these guys, you know, played in the SEC together. Um, there's really not a whole lot of animosity among players. I mean, it's interesting that you bring up Patrick Queen because his sore spot is not with a player. It's with the coach. It's, it's with Mike Tomlin saying that you don't belong there on that Raven sideline in Pittsburgh. So uh, it does have a bit of a unique energy this week because we do have Lamar Jackson finally being healthy enough to start in a Steelers game. It's just incredible that this is year six for him in Baltimore, and this will be only start number four. You, you'd have thought that a guy with his resume, with with his experience and veteran status in this AFC North would have more of a track record against Pittsburgh, but because of a number of situations over the years, that hasn't happened. So that does lend this game a little bit more intrigue, but I, I don't know that it makes it any more compelling than, you know, a kind of random late season game where it's Tyler Huntley trying to lead the Ravens to the playoffs against a, a Steelers team that's really coming on strong like it was last year. Uh, and obviously in the door this year is Todd Munkin uh, as offensive coordinator. And uh, you look at them on on film overall, it, it looks like he really has helped the passing concepts uh, in this offense overall. They're still obviously running the ball uh, quite a bit, running out of heavy. But this is a Ravens team 3-1 uh, and one this weekend. They've been missing a lot of pieces on that offensive side of football, and they still look like they're executing uh, great uh, as it is. What have been the most noticeable uh, aspects of the things that Todd Munkin has brought to this offense? I think it just looks more like a conventional NFL offense. It, you still have some of the design runs for Lamar. Uh, and I just, you know, just kind of looking at your guys' website, you guys highlighted the kind of counter bash option with Lamar where he has the option to give it to the running back who's bolting to the sideline, or he can follow the, the convoy of blockers up the middle that is – something that Greg Roman really popularized. It's actually interesting to see it catching on a little bit in Indianapolis. So there is still that aspect of the QB run game. But big picture-wise, you know, this has been an offense that relies on multiple tight end formations, on fullbacks, but they have really embraced 11 personnel like so much the league has. But, you know, that's one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Obviously, their investments in that wide receiver position have made that possible. You need no Rashad Bateman and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. have been banged up to start this season. Having Zay Flowers, Nelson Aguilar, Devin Duvernay, uh, you know, guys like that has, has made that possible. And, you know, they, they played a lot of snaps. They certainly played a lot of snaps on Sunday to make that possible. Uh, but, you know, you just have fewer play action passes. You have more guys going out for routes. You have more five-man protections. You, you have uh, a, a more normal-looking NFL offense where guys aren't running to the same area because maybe, you know, Mark Andrews has a little bit too much freedom in the kind of option routes that he was running, which was the case at times, it seemed like under Greg Roman. So I think Ravens fans, uh, you know, still waiting for that huge supernova breakout explosive game, but just based on what all the experts are saying and what you can kind of see with your, with your eye test yourself, it, it just looks more like the typical NFL offense. And I think that's something that Ravens fans, have long desired, especially toward the end of that G-Rotator last year. 
Jonas, to stick with the Ravens passing game, rookie Zay Flowers, he's made an impact. I believe Mike Tomlin said something to the effect of he fearlessly runs into dark places. Is that true? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> what has Zay Flowers brought for this Ravens offense? He's brought a lot. Uh, when I evaluated his tape coming out of Boston College, as I'm sure Mike Tomlin did, because he <laughs> spoke for over a minute uh, the other day, it was a lot of downfield targets. You know, he was, uh, it was kind of funny because he was, you know, the fastest, most dynamic player on the field a lot of times for BC, but the quarterback for Boston College the past couple of years has just been so subpar that he would be wide ass open on these, you know, post routes, these corner routes, these go routes, and the ball just wouldn't be able to get there in time. And now he's in offense with Lamar, who has to, who obviously has the arm strength to, to put it anywhere he wants, but there haven't been a whole lot of downfield targets. You know, there, there have been a couple of splash plays here and there, and they've been very efficient when they've looked to Zay, but so far it's been a lot of short and intermediate stuff where you've seen him been able to break tackles. He's done a great job of kind of working in a phone booth and, you know, getting those extra three, four or five yards to, to help move the sticks. So uh, I know he's still looking for his first touchdown. Um, he, he's a tremendous, you know, locker room presence, just a great guy to talk to. Uh, he was the Ravens top rated wide receiver in the draft, which is, you know, saying something considering how many wide receivers went in the first round in the spring. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Ravens kind of maybe feel themselves in this matchup against Pittsburgh, because I mean, I don't need to tell you guys, it, it has not been pretty for Levi Wallace and Patrick Peterson these past mm-hmm. couple of weeks. And right. if, if say, even though he's not the prototypical X receiver size wise, if they feel like he can be a matchup nightmare, a, a uh, you know, a, a real threat on the outside, then they're going to leave him there. And, you know, if the, if the offensive line is strong enough to hold up and it might be with Ronnie Stanley coming back and Morgan Moses practicing on Thursday, uh, and obviously Alex Highsmith dealing with that core injury, then I think there, there could be a couple opportunities for real splash, real splash plays from Zay. To look at the run game, putting the Lamar design type stuff aside, how do they divvy up snaps? Gus Edwards leading the team in carries. There's been injuries in the backfield. Assuming guys are healthy, is it Gus just a clear back? How much does Hill Gordon get involved? How do the snaps get divided up in the backfield? Yeah, I think Gus is the lead back, especially on some of those neutral downs. You know, he, he doesn't, you don't really find him on the field too often in third mediums, third longs. He, he just doesn't have the kind of route running skill set that Justice Hill does, or, or maybe even Melvin Gordon does. Uh, I don't think he's that great of a pass blocker either. So, uh, you know, it kind of works out to be something like 45, you know, 35, 20, uh, I would guess that adds up to 100. <laughs> it does uh, between, you know, Justice, between uh, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, and then the third back. And that could be Melvin Gordon. That could be Kenyon Drake. Uh, it could be Keaton Mitchell, who was an undrafted rookie who's uh, designated to return off IR. Really had a, a special preseason, a uh, very, very fast jitterbug type running back out of ECU that they like a lot. He seems fully recovered from the shoulder injury that he dealt with. So uh, they all had great games against a really impressive Browns run defense. I mean, the fact they were able to, to generate the kind of success rate that they did, considering just how shut down that Cleveland D uh, had been, was really impressive. And the Ravens should be healthier on the offensive line this uh, this week, you know, especially if Moses can go. So um, I think Gus is the, the guy who is going to be that hammerhead. Justice Hill is a little bit more of a change of pace back. 
and then it's kind of pick your poison or the Ravens are going to pick their poison on, on third down, depending on the situation. Where does this offense seem to have gotten themselves themselves in trouble uh, the most through four games, which obviously hasn't been much. Lamar's only had, I think, one interception, and I think he's been sacked, what, 11 times in total. Is it mostly just self-inflicted uh, kind of wounds that have that has slowed this up? Because they're, overall, they're still not, what, they? I don't think they've hit 30 points yet. What was their biggest out, uh, out, output? 28 points, I think, overall. And obviously, they get down in the red zone. I, I know Lamar Lamar's got a couple that he's ran in himself. Uh, is it kind of the red zone offense overall, and is it just the self-inflicted stuff that's really hurt? Because, I mean, look, they look impressive, and, man, Lamar has made some throws in these first several games that just are wow. It's a bit of a paradigm shift from last year, actually, uh, because last year it was the red zone that really tripped them up, but this year they are by touchdown percentage inside the 20, the NFL's best team. You know, Lamar, 100% catchable ball rate, according to Sports Info Solutions last year, was only 74%. They're leaning into him more as a red zone runner than they did, and he's been more efficient as a red zone runner than he was last year. So it's not been, you know, can they score when they're getting close? It's can they get in close, close enough to put themselves in position to score. You know, they've been more efficient. Uh, they were more efficient last year, kind of inside the 20s, than they are this year. And partly, I think, that's been a function of defense that they faced. But to your point about these self-inflicted errors, that has been their biggest bugaboo. You know, they they are one of the NFL's best offenses in terms of staying on schedule. But they haven't had a whole lot of, you know, field-flipping, explosive plays. And they've really done a number on themselves with fumbles, with turnovers. They... I think Lamar has fumbled eight times. He's lost it. He's lost four of those fumbles, and just by you know, expected points lost. Uh, you know, according to True Media, he has had the most costly turnover problem in the NFL. He's basically cost the Ravens close to three touchdowns worth of points with his fumbles, just based on you know where he stumbled, the the, the the kind of field position that he's given up. So that is obviously something to consider with the Steelers having the edge rushers that they do, um, with, with how. Well, they've been able to pressure Lamar over over the years. I think the last time that Lamar started in a Pittsburgh game, he was sacked six or seven times. I, I don't know if he fumbled on either of those, uh, but it's still a, a reminder that uh, this is still a fallible offense. This is still Lamar Jackson who can find himself in trouble when he puts on when he tries to put on Superman cape. Uh, you know, a lot of these fumbles are fixable, correctable. Um, you know, it's just simple fundamental stuff that he should be doing better and sure they've been working on in practice but if he can avoid that if he can you know make these throws and be as accurate as he has been uh over these first four weeks then the offense i think should be in a good place moving forward uh injury wise uh, i mean it's been trending obviously that linderbaum and 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 uh stanley make it back and 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 moses is that what you're feeling you you think they're going to be at full health on that offensive line this week I think TBD on Moses. We we talked to Ronnie Stanley yesterday. He said there's a, a strong possibility of him playing. He's looked a lot more active and involved in the positional drills this week as opposed to last week. But you know, Morgan Moses left Sunday's game with a shoulder injury. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He came back on Thursday, but didn't do a whole lot. And I, I think they are probably not going to risk him. You know, they've got a, a game against London uh, next weekend uh, that. 
not any more important than the Steelers game. It's just, you know, against the Titans team that's obviously given some teams some trouble, uh, but doesn't have the, the kind of pass rush juice uh, on the edge that the that Pittsburgh does, is, uh, obviously. So I would be surprised personally if he's there, but they have a pretty good swing tackle on Patrick McCarry. And if they don't like Patrick McCarry for whatever reason, they have a, a really big body in Daniel Bailele, who was a, a fourth round pick uh, last year, I believe, who's uh, you know, a little bit slow-footed, but a, a pretty powerful run blocker and has made some strides as a pass blocker as well, especially in the preseason. So I, I think even if, uh, you know, even if Moses can't go, they should have some solid depth there at the right tackle spot. And then you can always throw Patrick uh, Ricard there, the fullback, as a, a pretty effective chip blocker. Go, go ahead, Alex. Uh, Jonas, with the injuries to, to the pass rushers with Owe, I don't know what his status is for this game. I know Ajabo, I believe, is on uh, injured reserve. Who are the top edge guys to, to worry about for Pittsburgh's tackles? <laughs> uh, it might be uh, hilarious to say this, considering that he didn't do anything against any AFC North opponents last year, but it's probably just Devin Clowney. He's looked like <laughs> a, a man reborn. He's found the fountain of youth. He's uh, probably gonna, you know, knock on wood, stay if he's assuming he stays healthy, he's gonna eclipse his sack total and his pressure total from uh, Cleveland last year by about the, the midway point of this season. Uh, he's playing with a lot of joy, playing with a lot of happiness. Uh, the Ravens, you know, various creepers, simulated pressures have, have done a good job of freeing him, but he's also just beat good left and right tackles out there. And, uh, you know, it doesn't sound like Adapa Owe, who's the first round from a couple of years ago and had a pretty promising start to the season. He's going to be out there. He's been banged up with an ankle. He hasn't practiced this week, still limping around a little bit in that locker room. But, you know, Kyle Van Noy, another street free agent they got last week, came in, uh, I think had five pressures on 15 pass rush snaps against uh, Cleveland last uh, last Sunday. So uh, they've got, you know, some, some help there. It's not the ideal setup there. Uh, Tyus Bowser, probably not going to play or definitely not going to play. He still has been activated from the non-football injury list. He's, you know, dealing with a, with some knee inflammation, I think, or some, some knee soreness. So they don't have a lot of depth there. And it, once you get past those, those top two guys, Clowney and Van Noy, it gets a little bit shaky with you know, young guys or guys, but they, they, they find a way to make up for it with their blitz packages with Rokon Smith and Patrick Green Blitz and Kyle Hamilton coming off the edge. So it, it's definitely not a strength of this Ravens defense, but they, they do just fine, uh, all things considered. Sure, it's gotten them this far uh, throughout the first month of the season. And, and speaking of Hamilton, I, I've had a ton of fun watching him on tape, Jonas. Has his yeah. progression just been the natural year one to year two thing? Has Mike McDonald used him differently than what Wink Martindale did? This guy's all over the field. What is? What do you attribute maybe the, the jump in his play? He, uh, I think, has definitely just gotten better as a football player. I mean, in training camp last year, he, whenever he would get matched up against Mark Andrews in one-on-ones, he would get cooked. And when they matched up this year, it was a pretty even split 50-50, which is you know, a, a huge compliment to any defensive back who's basically batting 500 against you know, wide receivers one-on-ones. It's just so tough. So he's done a good job. Um, he's had some, uh, you know, kind of boneheaded plays where he's just kind of gotten a little bit too focused on the quarterback or he's missed a tackle here or there. But the kind of 1% stuff that he's able to do is really, really exceptional. He had a, a three-set game against Indianapolis, although they ended up losing that. He's been able to match you know, quick 
wide receivers like uh, Josh Downs in that Colts game one on one. He's great as a uh, you know a zone defender. He just has such a great understanding for the game. And because of the injuries that they've endured at safety, you know, losing Marcus Williams for a couple of weeks, and he's another guy who obviously could be back for this one. Uh, they haven't been as flexible with him because they've you know, kind of used him as a one of their two deep safeties. <laughs> when I think they probably would like the option of having more in that Derwin James role, where he's just he could be anywhere on on any play. But uh, <clears throat> you know they lose Marcus Williams, they lose Daryl Worley, who's another backup safety. Doesn't look like he'll be available, so that could limit just how flexible Mike McDonald gets with him. But it it really doesn't matter where you put him because he's just so smart, so athletic, so instinctive that he should be able to to make plays basically wherever he goes. When you look at this defense on tape, uh, man, up up the middle uh, there with with Pierce and Matabuque uh, and, and Washington, and obviously the two uh, inside linebackers in Queen and Smith. Is this the best uh, kind of uh, up the shoot kind of interior four or five in the NFL right now? Uh, the spine of this deep this defense is something special. I, I don't know that they're the best run defense in the NFL. I mean, I, I think I would still actually give that honor to Cleveland. I, the, 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 the stat that I was just amazed by when I was looking at that Browns defense last year was that the average ball carrier didn't even make it back to the line of scrimmage before he was contacted, which is just mind blowing. Uh, the Ravens, I think, have been okay along the defensive line and that run defense. They they didn't have a great game against Indianapolis, uh, although it was a lot of losses in kind of low leverage areas. So I'm not really going to hang that on them too much. But the linebacker group is one of the best in the NFL. If Marcus Williams comes back, and even if he doesn't, frankly, the safety group is, is one of the best in the NFL. The run defense, I think, is top five in TVOA. They, they, they've done a, a really good job. They, they did a really good job uh, in Cleveland on Sunday. So I think it's going to be really, really tough for Pittsburgh to run the ball this weekend. I mean, but again, I, I think I probably said the same thing last year. And then uh, Pittsburgh ran for what the most yards against Baltimore since uh, the Cordell Stewart Jerome Bettis game, <laughs> Jerome Bettis right. days. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I, I think I think the Ravens definitely have the advantage there. They have a lot of depth along that defensive line. And, you know, they have guys who can stop gap schemes. They have guys who can stop uh, zone schemes. So I, I think they're pretty well set up there. And that strength, that stoutness up front, you know, allows them to play with relatively light block, light boxes, and that gives you more flexibility and more numbers in the back end to, to defend whatever teams are throwing at you passing game points. The other thing that stuck out before I start uh, closing you out here is, uh, man, the tackling. This team is such a great tackling team at 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 all areas. They don't give up a lot of extra yards, or I think their missed tackles on the season is just slightly higher than what the Steelers had in that game against the Texans uh, last Sunday. <laughs> I mean, that it, uh, it really sticks out, and, and that and at all levels too. Where where is the Steelers' best shot to kind of win, uh, especially in the running game? Is it on the? It does seem like you can get some yardage on them on the edge at sometimes with some runs but definitely not up the gut yeah i mean those, those big runs from indianapolis against the ravens were on the edge uh it, it was with david ajabo you know kind of doing some boneheaded first year second year defender stuff just crashing in and not having the the gap soundness that he needed to um i guess i would say on the edge but 
if you're running there and Kyle Hamilton is, is in the slot, he's just a, a really, really good run defender. He's a really good screen defender. And I know that, you know, Kenny did get through a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage. And if, if those are screens, then Kyle Hamilton, odds are, is going to blow that up. He's just ferocious, fast, strong. So I, I think it's going to have to be a mix for, for, for Pittsburgh to really keep this Ravens run defense honest. It's just a very, very sound group, as you mentioned. They, they tackle well. Quan Smith is playing some of the best football in his life. Patrick Green is one heck of a Robin to his Batman. Um, so, and and if Kenny Pickett, you know, doesn't have any, uh, you know, threat as a guy as an improviser, then it's going to make it even tougher for to, to keep this defense honest. Should they go quick game more in the passing game? The Steelers, at least, especially with 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 Kenny banged up. Yeah, but I think that. That necessitates some screens and stuff. And like I said, I don't think that that's going to work. I mean, the 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 tough aspects of playing this Ravens defense, and you just kind of touched on, is they don't give up a lot of free yardage, nor do they give up a lot of big plays. I think they have allowed one completion on 13 targets of 20-plus air yards this year. They are a really, really good downfield passing defense, and that was where Pittsburgh – uh, kind of attacked them last year. You know, George Pickens made life hell for Marlon Humphrey last year. You know, we don't know if Marlon Humphrey is going to be back for this game. He's still dealing with that foot injury back in practice, but I don't think he'll be good to go for this one. You know, just looking at some of the, the tracking data, uh, I think Pickens was targeted three times, uh, caught all three passes for 76 yards against Marlon Humphrey last year. And there just haven't been those big chunk plays that opposing quarterbacks have gotten against this kind of slapped-together Ravens secondary. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I think Pittsburgh is going to have to take its chances downfield. Maybe you get lucky and it's not, you know, a too high defensive shell that you're kind of throwing into. But, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a game where I think George Pickens is probably going to have to put this offense on its back, especially with Deontay Johnson and Pratt firing me down. It feels like this would be so on brand for the Steelers against all odds. And Mike Tomlin's got a great, great record of, uh, uh, unfortunately, we're talking about it way too much coming off of uh, 20 or more blowout losses. They you know, He gets his teams to rebound good. They did in week two after that blowout to San Francisco. But this almost seems insurmountable uh, at this point. The Ravens coming here. I think the current uh, consensus line is uh, the Ravens on the road favored by four here. Uh, there's no way the Ravens lose this, right? How about a prediction? <laughs> uh, well, to, just to establish my bona fides, uh, last year I was, went back and saw what my predictions were, and I was actually kind of on the money. I, I think I picked a, a slight margin of victory for the Ravens in that game in Pittsburgh, and then I picked them to lose the home game in Baltimore. So all which is to say uh, I am doomed for a terrible, terrible misjudge. Of what we, this hey, be, hey but... we only hold that against you unless you're wrong, all right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we made a lot of staff picks on uh, on our website uh, that went up this morning, and I was actually among the more uh, bearish of the, on the Ravens process, and, and I was picking like a Ravens 23, Steelers 13 victory. Um, there, there's not a lot of pessimism right now about this Ravens team. But what I will say is that the last time they were going up against a team with a kind of back, you know, shaky uh, backup quarterback situation or quarterback situation health-wise and a team with a kind of shaky secondary but a good pass rush, it was that game against the Colts. And they 
did not put Indianapolis away, and the Colts were able to win with special teams, win with defense, win with just enough offense. So if that is the way for Mike Tomlin and Pittsburgh to kind of drag the Ravens down and, and beat them in a classic AFC North game, it would not surprise me at all. But I, when I just look at matchups for this game, it's very tough to find some areas in the field where you feel like Pittsburgh has a real definite superiority. All right. Well, Jonas, look, uh, we know we got to get you out of here. Busy day over there covering uh, the Ravens. Uh, you can follow Jonas on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. You'll find that link in the post on SteedersDepot.com uh, with the podcast uh, as well. Uh, Jonas, look, uh, glad to have you on quite a, uh, again, and we'll catch up later on in the season. And as usual, thanks for joining Dave and Alex on the Terrible Podcast. Great talking about with you guys. Be good. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Jonas Schaefer. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. That's S-H-A-F-F-E-R. And check out his work at the Baltimore Banner. Always appreciate his insight and making time for us, Dave. Absolutely, we do. We'll uh, definitely have him back on later on in the season and a good 26, 27, 28 minutes with him today. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave, let's do our, our own preview of the Steelers-Ravens game. Baltimore in this one, 3-1. and one. Pittsburgh, 2-2. Two and two. I know it's week five, and it's not you know a, a must-win game, especially for a 2-2 two and two Pittsburgh team. But, Dave, I really see if you can find a way to win this game, your first place in the North as you enter your bye week. If you lose this game, you're 2-3. and three. Baltimore's 4-1. and one. If they beat the Titans during Pittsburgh's bye, they're five and one when Pittsburgh comes out of their bye, and your chances of winning the North are pretty remote at that point. So this game, I would say, is really pivotal. As far as the division goes, absolutely it is. And uh you also don't want to go in, in in into the bye week with a uh with a with your offense you know, still stuck in, not even, <laughs> not even neutral. It doesn't feel like at, at this point, look, this is a big measuring stick. I mean, there, you know, uh, uh, even though this team is two and two at this point, uh, there, there's, there's a lot more questions coming out of this game against the, uh, the, the, uh, the Texans at this point. And now you've got, you face a team in the Ravens that is, uh, really looks, you know, impressive on both sides of the football. And you kind of ask yourself, what what does a win look like for the Steelers if, if they're able to get one on Sunday? And yeah, it, can... it, regardless of how you do it, it would be big. But I kind of wonder, even if we come out, even if we're talking on Monday about the Steelers somehow managing to win this game, are there going to be even more questions than the then there are answers, you know. Well, what do you want to start here evaluating Baltimore? You want to start with their offense or their defense, Dave? Yeah, well, uh, being as we're talking about the Steelers, you know, let's talk about their defense and 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 how it it seems like it's it's the biggest chore. I mean, look, they you know you talk about the 49ers and and Fred Warner and and that group, and obviously they got behind in this uh, on the scoreboard, and that took away uh, the run game. You know, even assuming the Steelers don't get down big early uh, to the Ravens, you do have to wonder how are they going to run on this uh, on this Ravens defense, which up 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 the shoot uh, in the middle of this defense. 
I mean, it's impressive on tape when you look at uh, big boy Michael Pierce and Broderick Washington. I think uh, Matt Abuke, I, yeah, that was a guy you was kind of big on coming out, uh, uh, wasn't it? I think so, out of uh, A&M. Yeah, he's been yeah. a talented guy for them. Uh, it seems like he's progressed, and they do such a good job at, at holding gaps and all in the middle. And obviously, you got two uh, uh, perennial uh, inside linebackers and Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. So, you know, you and this, we finally saw the Steelers start starting to pull pull some guards a little bit in that game against the Texans and all. But man, they're there and and who was it? Uh, Mike uh, Mike Martz on on the thirty third team uh, uh, video that he did said, "Look, yo, yeah, yo, Canada's got some blame here, but the Steelers just aren't good up front. And the more you dig into this thing, especially on some of those inside zone runs and some of those duo runs, they're just they're not they're not getting off the ball." Uh, enough, not physical enough, not getting to those second level type of type of runs. And it's re- it's really making a chore on a running game. So, you know, uh, my, my first takeaway when I look at this uh, Ravens defense is how stout they are on the run, especially up the middle and man, the tackling uh, with this defense overall. So how, how are the Steelers going to be able to run on this Ravens defense. I think you've got to try, I think perimeter runs, if you can kind of mix, I think this might be the people hate those uh, jet sweeps and all, but uh, I think you try to outflank them a little bit that way with, 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 with some of those perimeter runs, however those might look, look like, and look, this, you want to talk about trying to defend the outside zone, you know, uh, running outside zone, against this Ravens defense. You know, I, I know uh, uh, Cleveland tried to do that a couple of times in this game. And I thought Baltimore handled it very, very well with, uh, uh, with those guys up front at kind of spreading that stuff out and letting, letting people get, get you know, uh, get in place to make tackles against that. So my, my number one concern is how are you going to be able to run on this Ravens defense? I think it's a great point, and I don't have a good answer because trying to run along the interior between the tackles is almost a fool's errand because the Ravens are too strong. They're too stout. The inside backers have played too well. Queen's game has really improved. Those guys do not leave the field. They're both playing 97% of the time this year, Smith and Queen, and they two-gap really effectively. I think you're right that there's been a bit more success. Teams have found running to the outside, some of the toss game, outside zone game, but that's not Pittsburgh's personality. So no. do you do you go with a thing that isn't your personality that seems to work a bit better? Or do you try to, not that Pittsburgh has a great personality in the run game, not that anything has worked consistently well, but they've been a better man, duo, downhill type of team. So do you go with that and run, run into the beast that is the Ravens front seven? It is a difficult choice. And so I don't know where Pittsburgh's going to go. It feels like you're just, well, you know, you might say, well, we're going to just out physical. We're going to find a way to run up the middle. But I mean, there comes enough times where you just bang your head up against the wall. Uh, and on. once again, there's there's not been uh, and, and you know, except for a couple of those kind of, you know, guard pulls runs and all like that. And and, and look, they. They, they've seen that crunch play now, right? <laughs> Enough times. Sure. Uh, they've seen, you know, how the Steelers go about pulling, uh, the, you know, uh, pulling their guards a few times that they, they've done. They're, they're going to be ready for that stuff. Uh, to me, it feels like if you want to concentrate and potentially have success uh, 
against this Ravens defense, you've got to kind of uh, uh, attack Clowney and whoever else is playing on the other side. Because if there is one weakness on this Ravens defense positionally, Overall, it's their edge situation, which has been you know, decimated by injuries. You got a guy like Clowney that's probably more interested in pinning his ears back than he is defending against a run. So, you know, can, can you do things to attack, to, to specifically attack those, the edge guys that are on the field and make guys like, and he's been great at it, Kyle Hamilton and, 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 and those corners put more of the onus on them to helping defend against a run. It's going to really come down to obviously execution, but what is the scheme? What is the plan? What does Pat Meyer have for this run game? What, what advantage can he try to find to, to get your run game? That's that doesn't, doesn't need to be, nor do you expect it to be great, but just good enough where it's not, you know, where you don't run the ball 15 times for 40 yards and just have nothing there at all. And all this negativity. And just, as you said, running into a wall. So that that's going to be, really important. The most striking stat to me when it comes to the run game is through four games, Pittsburgh has zero rushing touchdowns and through four games, Baltimore has not allowed a rushing touchdown. So you want to talk about some symmetry you don't want to have if you're Pittsburgh, zero rushing touchdowns offensively against a defense that has not allowed a rushing score this season. Yeah, it's scary. Uh, and, and it's going to be interesting to see if they can even get 50, 60 rushing yards in this game. Sure. That, that, that's a real concern there. And then you just talk about the secondary. They're getting healthier. Marcus Williams returns. I know Jonas said that does not seem to be as of Friday morning that Marlon Humphrey will play, but they're still a really talented group. They got a great three safety package that they stay in quite a bit with Williams now, Geno Stone and Kyle Hamilton. And Dave just watching the tape, he just jumped off at me the entire time, Kyle Hamilton. This guy's making plays at every level. He's a blitzer from the field side. He's aggressive against the run. He's got three sacks already this season. He's got a forced fumble. He's got a pick. This guy is just an impact player to every level of the field. And you hit on it. They they can move him wherever they need him. He can play down low. He can play on the edge. He can play in the slot. He can play. He can rotate back deep. And, uh, you know, you want to talk about good tackling, a good tackler. He, he, he certainly has been the whole defense has it. it there was, you know, uh, I, I watched, uh, tried to focus in obviously on, on the, on the alt on the, on the wide all 22 shot and all to see how they run to the football and see how they tackle. And man, they just are all over the place. And even if you pop, even if in zone, if you complete a short, you know, over the middle uh, pass in a zone area to them, they don't miss. They get the they get the uh, uh, they get the eligible down on the field quickly. There's not really much movement uh, uh, falling forward. It's mostly falling backwards. There uh, is a quick game in order uh, when it comes to the passing game because obviously you're not going to want Kenny back there mm-hmm. taking a lot of shots, right? So I mean. Could you mix in a heavier dose of RPOs in this? Uh, could you try to get this 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 uh, wide receiver screen game going? Uh, the, the the quick slants. It feels like you got to get the uh, if you're if you're not going to uh, if you find yourself struggling running the football. It feels like a quick quick game's got to be on because you damn sure don't want to be behind the chains against this team, even though. 
man, if you look at their sacks this year, most of them have come from the interior guys and the inside linebackers. Their outs, their edge guys only have like two or three sacks so far. You know, so but but mm-hmm. even so, you don't want to get yourself in a position where it's the same old, you know what. You know, second and long, third and long, because right. that's when they're really going to get ferocious as a defense overall. Because they're not afraid to send the linebackers. They'll their 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 twist game when they've used it seems to be pretty decent up front with the loopers and all like that. Uh, and the Steelers haven't necessarily, you know, defended that well either. And if your run game isn't working, you need to have a substitute, which is the quick game, which are more of the RPOs and in the three-step game to try to get you something there. I, I think the screen game is going to be tough, though, because as you said, and you're 100%, 100% right, the Ravens run to the football so well. I mean, they swarm. And I, I watched, I think Cleveland was running some screens because they're trying to do something with their rookie quarterback and just going nowhere. The Colts, a similar story. So maybe some more of the quick game. But that's where you really miss Deontay Johnson because he's your quick game guy. He's your three-step, run the slant, get some yak, get separation. And they have some guys that can try to do that. Pickens, you know, route tree has been expanded and more refined. And Calvin Austin maybe can get more involved there, although over the middle at his size with Queen and Smith could be an issue. So I don't think you're wrong about that. Um, I just think, you know, Pittsburgh's quick game has not been... I think they're going to try to spread the field and, and run some of their traditional kind of stick spacing concepts and hang to try to, you know, they, they what Pittsburgh's trying to do, what they want to do is get Pickett into a rhythm early and that spacing concepts, um, you know, kind of spread the field nearer routes, you know, two by two, that kind of stuff. So that's going to be their goal is try to have some of that, that rhythm passing game to get them going early. Small profits, right? Very small profits, yeah. Um, but that, that the outs too. You're probably going to mm-hmm. unfortunately see a lot of outs in this. Probably, uh, we need to start seeing some of that back shoulder stuff, don't we? Well, I wrote about that with my article yesterday. That the two problems, the two main problems, that I'm pretty confident in, in discussing with Kenny Pickett is teams have taken those vertical sideline shots away, the back shoulder throw with the jump ball to George Pickens. I mean, they have not been there this year. They forced Pickett to go to other areas of the field, and I think he's a sideline thrower. I think he's like Ben in that regard, where he likes to put it up for his guy along the sideline, cover one, one-on-one coverage, go take a shot to your guy, and that has not been there the way that it was last year. <laughs> We're painting a lot of gloom here, aren't we? <laughs> How do you? Where do your explosive plays come? Come uh, unless it's 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 deep to Pickens down down the sideline. I mean, they've gotten some big plays over the middle of the field. Talk about the Austin touchdown, the Pickens touchdown. Those were middle of the field type plays. I I don't know where the weak. Excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. I don't know where the weakness is though for for Baltimore. Baltimore. The, the corners aren't as strong, especially if Humphrey does not play. So that's probably the place to attack. You really have to hope that George Pickens can win and some other guys like Austin and maybe a Robinson is able to step up. Okay. But I don't really see a lot else on tape that says this is the area to attack. I really think it's about Pittsburgh trying to, you know, focus on their own technique and what they do well, what they're comfortable with and and really kind of get back to basics. Yeah, they got to, you know, stay on schedule and take take the small profits when they're there against the zone and Maybe get, you know, the, a, a quick slant or two in the hands of Austin or Pickens uh, over over the middle. Yeah, I think that's the game plan. But how well can you run the ball just to stay on schedule enough? Can you get to that point? You know, Pittsburgh—they're going to have to be 
they're really going to have to trust the O-line to be physical, play with good pad level, and create sub-movement. Much easier said than done, especially with how Pittsburgh's O-line has struggled, but they're going to have to be better. Like Nate Herbig's going to have to be Nate Herbig in this one and, and move some people in the run game. All right. All right, let's talk Ravens offense and Lamar's healthy. He's here. I know Pittsburgh has had as much success against Lamar as any team has had, but the past game I think is a lot more vertical. It's a lot more potent. They're not just this run team that really doesn't have any receivers to throw to, and so it's harder to just pack the box and stop the run and dare the pass game to win because their pass game can now win in Baltimore. And their their spacing's a lot better than it was with their with their wide receiver routes and they what they've been able to put on tape so far. Somebody had a stat one of the I think one of the Ravens beat writers that uh, how I forget how many snaps uh, there hasn't been many that they've had uh, Bateman Odell Aguilar and uh, who's the other one I'm missing there Zay. Say, say, say all on on the field together or you know uh uh snaps healthy healthy playing, yeah. yeah uh playing time there and it looks like there's going to be a decent chance of that happening they've still been able to get it done regardless and oh yeah they've been missing some offensive linemen throughout some of these games as well as well too <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh Man, they they run all aspects and yeah uh, with with the running game and they run it well up front they'll they'll they, the bash concept, as you you pointed out uh, there, they run the power. They'll pull the tackles, uh, get those guys on the move. They'll run uh, Jackson on on kind of those ca- those counter powers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I mean, inside zone duo. I mean, all of it uh, seems to be. And and look at their backs. I mean, you're talking about Gus Edwards. You're talking about Justice Hill. You're talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, 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 Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon. I mean, they're getting done done with those guys, and uh, they'll they'll take Patrick Ricard. They'll attach him to the line of scrimmage like a tight end and go heavy that way. They'll still put Ricard in the backfield. Uh, they mix all of it up. They get into the red zone. They're not afraid to do design runs with uh, with Lamar. Uh, it's, it's just a nightmare. The, the motion that they use is just incredible. Uh, the misdirection they'll run off the uh, off the motion is incredible. Why couldn't Why couldn't the Steelers have gotten a, a, a Todd Munkin? He was out there in Pittsburgh. You know, in theory, they had a decision to make on Canada, and you know, obviously they kept him, and Munkin became available from Georgia, and Baltimore picked him up to replace Greg Roman. So their scheme has been good. You're right. I think red zone. 10 yards and in, you got to watch Lamar Jackson design quarterback power. That's kind of where he starts to to win the most. I mean, you still have to focus on the run game first and foremost to beat Baltimore. And the question is, how do you handle the Lamar Jackson threat? Do you do the mesh charge that Pittsburgh has done in the past where you just attack the quarterback every single time and force the give to the back and make Gus Edwards and Justice Hale and Melvin Gordon beat you as opposed to Lamar Jackson? That is a good thing on paper although at that point you're playing with 10 guys to defend the run because the one is dedicated towards the quarterback so that that's the trade-off there so the question i think first and foremost is how do you deal with lamar on those read options do you mesh charge do you try to pack the box as much as possible do you scrape the linebacker over the top and have the dn shoot down you know those are different things you can do all with their benefits and all with their costs but i think that's how you start to come up with your game plan of how to try to limit this ravens run game 
Yeah, good luck. How many times have we said <laughs> in the past, uh, make them beat you with the running game and they have uh, uh, kind of sure. thing uh, with that. Uh, and and I, I think the key to this game is to somehow figure out a way to get them behind the chains and get them in the third and long situations and get Lamar. Uh, they're going to absolutely have to have takeaways in this game. Uh, the ball security issue with, with Lamar has always been a thing. It still is a thing in my opinion. Uh, so you, you have to, you know, you're going to have to somehow figure out a way to stop that running game, get them behind it. And look, he's uh even in some instances where he's had to hold the ball well, he's made some incredible throws. I mean, and, and even in the middle of the field, he's seen the field a lot better. It feels like, man, that touchdown to uh, Mark Andrews in the back corner of the end zone in that in that game last week. There was another one where it was an extended play where uh, the, the protection still managed to hold up and he, he took one over uh, uh, deep down the right side. Cause there's only, you know, you're only going to be able to stay with those receivers for X amount of time, uh, regardless of how, how, how good the initial coverage is uh, there. But it, it all, it, it all has to start because there's still a run heavy team at its mm -hmm. core. Uh, you have to, to stop them up, up the middle force. I think force the running backs to win on the edge and as is usually the case, be mindful of, of, of Lamar Jackson running with the football. Yeah, I think the two big things is is dealing with Lamar in, in the run game and those mesh points. And a lot of that fast motion you're seeing from them with Zay Flowers and those guys that come screaming across the formation and turn up field, you know, vertically. How do you defend that? Do you travel? Do you pass that stuff off? I, I You're seeing a lot of that this year, Dave, with a lot of that fast motion. It's almost... Is it almost like CFL type stuff where those guys get those running starts? Obviously, they're not getting vertical. That, that's illegal, but you're running horizontally and, and, and at speed. The Dolphins are utilizing that tremendously well, and that's why their offense is so potent. So just how do you deal with those things overall is going to be, be difficult. I mean, you're going to have to play a lot of zone in this one, right? right. Because when you're facing a guy like Lamar that can back. run, you, know, you can't turn your back and run, especially on third down. So, you know, you're going to play a lot of zone coverage, trying to match up. It's going to be difficult. Tackle the catch. Rush, uh, hit, hit Lamar as many times as you can, whether it be in, uh, in drop backs or with him on the run and try to get that football loose. It, 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 there's no way the Steelers win this game without a couple of takeaways in this mm -hmm. one. For sure. I mean, you think about how did the Ravens lose to the Colts? They turned the ball over a bunch. Well, I don't know the exact number of turnovers in that game, but they fumbled, I think, three times in the first half. And so can you can you ball search and, and rip it out and capitalize? You're going to have to. But I, I would just say the last thing on Lamar is he's getting the ball out quick this year. I, I looked at his snap to throw times. Last year, it was three seconds snap to throw. This year, it's 2.66, the ninth fastest in football. So he's a guy that's still getting sacked, but he's not. You know, he's able to get the ball out on time in rhythm because you have better receivers. And I think an OC that's a bit more conscious of, hey, we can't get Lamar killed because this guy's been hurt the last two years at the end of the season and we've tanked because of it. So we have to do the best we can to keep keep Lamar upright. Right. It, it It's going to be a chore for sure. He's, he's He really is playing well. Yeah, and there's some good players to throw to. Andrews, he's got three targets in the red zone. He's got three touchdowns. As you mentioned, that one jump ball against Cleveland on that smash concept. But and look where the ball placement was on that. 
You're saying in a good way? Yeah, it was like yeah. Andrews could just go up there and, and jump ball it. Uh, let's see. How many turnovers did they have against? Uh, they had t- just two turnovers against the Colts, but did both of those turn into, I would imagine both of those turned into. What was the turnover differential in that game? Uh, two nothing. Okay, well, there you go. You're plus two. You're, right. you, got, you got a chance a- a- to win. 80%. 80 80%. Yeah, so. Man. They got a fill. Let's see. They uh, off one fumble. You know what? The uh, the two fumbles that they got in that game, the Colts did. Uh, they punted and had a field goal. Okay. So, yeah, not a lot there, but at least you're you're stopping drives in Baltimore and keeping the, the score down, and that's Pittsburgh's game plan. They won, The Colts won that game 22-19 in overtime, so they kept the score down in part because Baltimore lost some possessions and lost chances to put points on the board, especially when you've got like Justin Tucker where you get to midfield and you're in mm-hmm. field goal range. And so... Those things are big. Yeah, it feels like the Steelers win this game and I have to be 22-19 again. Yeah, I mean, that's how that's that's how every Steelers-Ravens game has gone except for like the Immaculate Extension one. You know, that's kind of been the exception in, in I guess, the Ben six-touchdown game. But uh, any weakness, like the O-line, the tackles are not particularly strong. There's some injuries there. Don't know Stanley's health. And I was talking to a Ravens buddy last night that said, you know, even before Stanley got hurt, he did not play particularly well. The O-line is not as strong as I think it probably once was and so again can tj watt can alex highsmith take over this game yeah they're gonna have to you they're gonna have to have good big games from your edge guys uh in 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 rush situations for sure they play uh let's see uh they're the ravens defense plays what too high 63 percent of the time so uh when you're looking at steeder's office maybe you get in some situations with some honey hole shots uh, if they're playing true cover two, I mean, if they're playing right. quarters or two man, it might be more difficult to do. I, they I, I they sh- played a lot of quarters against uh, Cleveland. Okay, did they? I'm trying to think back like- to my notes. I, I think you're right about that. The one thing I should mention from the Ravens defense: watch out for the P dropper, Dave. I don't know if you saw yeah, that. Yeah, I saw it Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. yeah, they they did that over the over the middle there, uh, attacking the, uh, the the crosser over the middle. Yeah, third and six plus, they're going to play cover one. And usually they're going to blitz, but they're going to drop the nose stack. He's going to touch the center and drop. And they're going to bring Queen or Smith or Hamilton from the field side. So not that I expect the nose stack to make plays in coverage, but you never want to throw one over the middle because you're trying to get the ball out hot because the blitz is coming. So how do you defend just some of the safety blitzes and some of the, the different looks you're going to get? It's, it's not as exotic as I think it was under... Wink Martindale, um, they don't use dime the way that they did before and kind of have all these guys roaming around, but it, it's still a really sound scheme. I think they're having to manufacture that because of the quality of the edge right now. Sure, I think you're right. I think their blitz rate's among the highest in football, and their pressure rate's been one of the lower marks in football, but they still have talent in, in, right. in, 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 in the backers. you know, Because as you said, Queen and Smith, they, all they do is blitz. These guys just hammer and blitz and green dog, and so you better be able to pick it up Jalen Warren in particular, who's a very good pass protecting back, but that's going to be one of those hidden battles is, you know, Warren versus Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith and those backs on backers drills, essentially. All right. Impressive defense, a lot more impressive than what I thought it was going to be originally, and they've they've still been able to get it done without having quality edge work. And then I I still think that you got to attack the the edges of that defense, I think, is, 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 
uh, either off tackle or something along those those lines, uh, or flat out, you know, in in the, in the rounds or, or or jet sweeps. You, you got to find a way, I think, to attack their 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 edge defenders in the run game. I agree, but you got to have something to try to have some so, eye candy to slow these guys down because linebackers are so athletic and they they run so well. All right. Uh, special teams, Justin Tucker. I know he's missed two from 50 plus, but one was from 61. I don't know the distance on the other. I mean, again, you get to like the 40 and you're in range. Um, I think their punter, Jordan Stout, had, I think their, their coordinator said his, the best game of his career uh, this past week against Cleveland. So, you know, I think they're, they're punting. It's just back to form. Yeah, John Harbaugh team. Uh, <laughs> expect them to be sound on, on, on special teams. Yeah, for sure. So any other final thoughts here in Baltimore, Dave? No, <laughs> okay. uh, uh, just, just impressive to look at them on both sides of the football so far. Yep. We've talked them up enough. All right, Dave, let's make our picks for week number five. And you are a fresh one and oh on the week taking Chicago last night. And, uh, that was on the sad news of Dick Buckus's uh, passing. But as you pointed out before the game to me that that would fuel Chicago and it, it appeared to in their big win over the commanders. Before we get to our picks for the NFL and for the Steelers-Ravens game, let's hear from our friends over at MyBookie, Dave. Yeah, let's do it. Aaron Rodgers' season is officially over, but yours has just begun at MyBookie. NFL, college football, and a brand-new cash-out system give you options to bet and win all season long. The first two legs of your parlay hit for you. Cash out early and place another bet or let it ride for the chance at a bigger payday. Join us at MyBookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boost, same game parlays, and huge prize pool contest. Right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. What you do, you use promo code TERRIBLE on your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's promo code TERRIBLE to claim your own cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. And, of course, you find them at MyBookie.ag. And once again, when you go there to sign up, make sure you use promo code TERRIBLE to get that first deposit bonus uh, when you have $50 or more put in uh, on your account. You can receive up to $200 in cash instantly credited to your account. Uh, Once again, you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie. All right, Dave, again, you are 1-0 on the week. I am 0-1, taking the Commanders. Let's make our picks for week number five. All right, Buffalo Bills at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, another That's another game overseas there. Uh, Buffalo uh, favored, uh, considered the road team in this one by five and a half points. You know, I'll say Jacksonville finds a way to cover this one. They've been in London because they were there last week with their win over Atlanta. So they just stayed. Overseas, that's might might give them an advantage. So I'll take the uh, Jaguars. I'll take I'll take Buffalo to uh, to trounce them pretty good in this. So I'll lay the five and a half. Uh, let's see, New England on the road against the Saints. This is a pick'em game, straight up pick'em. Uh, New England on the road versus the Saints. Yeah, this one's tough. I think the Patriots bounce back. Give me give me New England. 
you know what? I picked the Patriots to go like, what did I pick them? Like five and 12 or something like uh, this is going to be a game they lose. I'll take the Saints at home versus the Patriots. Atlanta Falcons on the road. Boy, they're having quarterback issues. The Falcons are against the Texans who look impressive at the quarterback position. The Falcons on the road favored by a point and a half against mm. Houston here. What do they know that we don't know right now? Houston, I got to go Houston in this one after last week. I do as well, too. There's nothing that uh, tells me that uh, Houston won't win this game, so I'll take that point and a half. Dolphins on the road against the Giants. Woo. Uh, Dolphins favored by 12 and a half on the road against uh, another team that's just struggling offensively. Yeah, I'm not going to be cute about this one, Dave. I'll take Miami. Yeah, I'll take Miami to blow them out as well, too. I, I don't know if they reach 70, but it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Daniel Jones was sacked, what, 11 times in that game the other night? Uh, uh, Colts on the road against the Tennessee Titans. The Titans at home favored by two and a half, Alex. This is Colts and Titans, you said? Colts, Titans. Colts, Titans. You know what? You got to give the Titans some credit. Uh, Jonathan Taylor may play this week, but that Titans interior line with Autry and Simmons is super underrated. I'll go Tennessee. I'll go Tennessee, lay that two and a half with you. This could be a field goal game. Detroit Lions on the road against the Panthers. Lions, well, Lions favored by 10 on the road against Carolina. Yeah, I'm going to go Detroit in this one, Dave. Uh, I'll go. I think Detroit wins this. I'll take the 10 points, though. I think I think Carolina covers. Los Angeles Rams on the road against the Eagles. Eagles laying four points at home against the Rams. Not going to bet against the Eagles. Give me Philadelphia. I'll take the Eagles late at four points as well, too. Cardinals on the road against the Bengals. How about Josh Dobbs, the way he's playing uh, already? Uh, Bengals laying three at home against the uh, against the Cardinals. Yeah, credit to Dobbs, man. It's been impressive. That, that Cardinals team is hanging in there overall, and the Bengals are a mess. Um, I don't know where to go with this one. I'm going to hold out one last week on the Bengals and pick Cincinnati. I think the Bengals get it squared away this week. I'll lay that three points along with you this week. Denver Broncos on the road against the Jets. Denver favored by two and a half on the road. Zach Wilson, some confidence, played well against the Chiefs. Is that just a flash in the pan? More likely than not overall, but you know what? I'll take the Jets in this one. I'll go the, the other. I'll go the other way. Another field goal game. Denver wins this by a field goal. I'll I'll, I'll lay the two and a half points. Vikings on the road against the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs only three and a half point favorites in this one. Yeah. What happened to your stone cold lock of the century of the week? This is this is my pick for this one, Dave. An easy one, maybe, but I'm taking the Chiefs. All right. Uh, yeah. I I haven't been good on my pick so far this season. Uh. I'll take the Chiefs lay the three and a half points, uh, okay. and and I'll make that my Dave Stone yes. Cold Stone Cold Lock of the Century of the week uh, of of the year of the week of the day. <laughs> uh, Love it. Uh, Chiefs lay the three and a half. Forty Nine ers on the road against the Dallas Cowboys. Forty Nine ers laying three and a half. This ought to be a good game. Forty Nine ers laying three and a half on the road against Dallas. I'm going to go Dallas in this one. I think they're going to get a couple of secrets out of Trey Lance, and that might give him an edge in this one overall. If Dak can play clean, Michael Parsons can can eat. I'm going to go Cowboys. That's an interesting approach. I think the 49ers just going to be too tough. Brock Purdy has yet to have a game. Uh, just a net yards per pass. He attempts a uh, number under like, what is it, seven or whatever? He's just that, that offense really clicking. I think it'll be enough in this game. I'll, I'll lay the three and a half points in this one. Raiders on the road against the Packers. Who cares? Uh, Raiders laying one point at home. 
Yeah, the question I mean, is uh, to Raiders me. on the road. I'm sorry, laying a point mm-hmm. on the road against the Packers. Question to me is how much longer will Josh McDaniels be the coach of the Raiders? That might be the uh, the better line to to look at. I'm going to go Green Bay. I will go Green Bay as well because it just things seem to be really unraveling uh, for 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 the Raiders at this point here. That brings us to uh, I think that's the end. It takes us back to the Steelers versus the Ravens. All right, I'll go first here. I know four, just, four and a half points, four and a half four and points and a half. according to my bookie. Most that places is, is four, but uh, my bookie has it uh, Ravens uh, four and a half. I know we just talked to Baltimore for 20 minutes about how great they are on offense and defense and special teams. And on paper, I think everything is pointing in, in the Ravens' favor. Again, especially with their run defense, how suffocating it's been. And I think Pittsburgh obviously needs to run the ball successfully to to really do what they want to do offensively and be competitive and ultimately win games. But having said all that and off that terrible loss to Houston, you have the stat there, what Pittsburgh now 11 and two in games where Mike Tomlin loses by 20 plus points. It's the best record in football. And it's just Steelers Ravens are always close, always final five minutes, always down to the wire. I feel it in my bones, Dave. I feel it in my bones. I got Pittsburgh somehow winning this one. 17 16 in just classic Steelers Ravens fashion. I tried to talk myself. I, I'm surprised you went that way, really. I, Me too. I, I, I really am. Uh, and I early in the week, I tried to talk myself into that. Uh, this would this would be such a classic Pittsburgh Steelers game, especially the way things gone. And man, uh, how many people would be surprised if they ugly one out 17, 16 and, and go into the buy AFC North leaders with more quite with everybody, even more uh, pissed off than they are uh, uh, right now about the offense. But, uh, but then you get into the tape and I, I just, I struggle to find a way how they, how they can even make that happen. Uh, the, the deeper I got into the tape, the more depressed I got about, I got to see it from this offense. I got to see it from this defense. I'm not convinced Alex, they can even ugly out a, I don't even think I, I'm not even convinced to, to, uh, to nothing takeaway, uh, in the Steelers, uh, favor would, would get this done from, from what I've seen on tape. Uh, I like the Ravens big in this one, 27, 16. I got, mm. I got, I got, I've got to get something to start holding back onto when it comes to this team on both sides of the football. Uh, so I have the Ravens. I'm surprised you went the way that you went. Uh, but as we just talked about, like this is such yeah. a Steelers thing to do. And, and it's always close. No matter what the situation is, these teams are always playing each other tight. All right. I don't see it. 27, 16 Ravens. If Pittsburgh does win this game, how do you think it happens? If I had a crystal ball and I said, Dave, the Steelers are three and two Monday morning, how would you assume they accomplish victory? Uh, it has to be several layers to it. It has to be Lamar Jack. You know, uh, uh, a, you got to shut down the run. It's got to be Lamar Jackson making bad decisions with the football, uh, maybe even stripping uh, TJ Watt having four sacks, a forced fumble, the defense returning one for the score uh the Steelers getting a short short field another two times in this game Justin Tucker missing a field goal in this game 
injuries on the Ravens side. I mean, just so many layers, so many things I think would have to happen for, for the Steelers to even get to, 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 to 17, 16 win is the way I envision. If, if, if they win this game, like you said, 17, 16, 19, 16, 2017, it's, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that the Ravens did did wrong and the Steelers defense did right, I have a feeling. Yeah, it's going to be turnovers, some splash plays, some situational football in the red zone, and then just winning the game in the last five minutes. I think those are the kind of the, the core bullet points of how Pittsburgh can win. What do you think about Mike Mark? I mean, he Mike Mark's what wrong, right? This offensive line from the Steelers right now is struggling. Yeah, I mean, they get, that's pretty obvious right now. This this line has not been good enough in stunt pickup in terms of working at the second level. Linebackers running free too often in the run game. So, yeah, I think there's some schematic issues, but but certainly the line has not played the way that I mean, Mason Cole has been a big disappointment in the middle. James Daniels has not played particularly well before getting hurt. Um, the, you know, the tackles have been average to, to below, so the line has not been very good. All right, uh, let's get to the email machine here. Uh, Jonathan Mason... Alex and Dave, I've never been one to root against the Steelers in favor of actual change taking place, but is it bad for me as a fan to not necessarily want them to lose this game, but but not be mad about it if they do? I agree with a lot of what Dave was saying last show about how some stuff overall under Tomlin just feels stale. He is so results-orientated. I can see him being okay with an ugly win, no matter how ugly. Going back to my pride question, I think I should have used stubborn instead, and I feel like it's going to take even uglier than usual for him to really change his hiring process. Thanks. So I think it's more more of a statement there from from Jonathan, who I, I kind of feels like he's saying he wouldn't be so mad if the Steelers get blown out and they end up parting ways with Matt Canada. But there's a lot more layers to this thing than just Matt Canada. But once right. again, I, I if there was ever a week coming up where you could see a change, it would probably be next week, you know. Uh, and even then, I'm not convinced it happens. Yeah, I'm not either based on the history. Um, I mean, you people can think about, you know, whatever they want, however they feel. I'm never going to say, you know, whether or not you sh- should be happy with a win or a loss or whatever. I'm always going to root for this team to win and succeed. And so my mindset will not change. All right, uh, Bryce, I understand the concept of it ain't broke, don't fix it, but what are your thoughts on instead of the Steelers moving Mika around, they need to just tie him to the post, but then move TJ around more in the front seven to mix it up a little and throw new wrinkles in the offense. I mean, look, TJ's best when he's playing on his side, plain and simple. Yeah, um, I've had that thought about, you know, should they move TJ around a bit more, but the results are still there. He's still, you know, six sacks through even the first three weeks of the season. So it has been working. Um, and, and with Minka, I mean, as long as he's not playing over slot a bunch, then I'm okay with that. Although I imagine he's going to be matched up on Mark Andrews on third down this week to try to take him right. away. Right. I would agree there. Uh, let's see here. Let's get to as many as we can here. Antonio Frazier. My question is, is that uh, we haven't chosen to at least copy other teams offenses. It's a copycat league. And if we can't figure out, uh, why not steal a couple of plays from other teams? We look so elementary with our calls. It should be a lot better if we use other schemes. Thanks for everything you do, guys. Look, I mean, they should be looking uh, more at uh, and, and trying to add in uh, more wrinkles than, than what they do, plain and simple. Sure. I mean, I'm sure they borrow stuff. We've seen that before. We've seen them use that. I don't know what you want to call it, little running back shuffle motion. Maybe I think someone called it 
tear or tear motion where the running back kind of starts moving out wide at the snap of the football uh, that's been used by a bunch of teams this year. I'm sure Pittsburgh probably picked it up somewhere along the way. So I mean, we can go, we can have all the whole schematic debate, but I've kind of talked about as much as I can talk about on that. Yeah. Brandon Wright saying, Dave got my tinfoil hat on and buckled. Do you think that some Steeler fans can concocted a scheme to set up a fake email, sign up for Twitter, then go on a pro Canada tweet storm to make it look like Canada in an effort for the team to fire him. I mean, look, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's 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 social oil. that's social media anyway, isn't it? I mean, nothing, nothing. So, uh, I, I, you see, look, it, this was high, you know, hyper focused on on the Steelers this week, and yeah, have there been burner accounts in the past? Uh, is this uh, a concerted effort, maybe by a fan or fans, to try to make this look bad on Canada? Yeah, I mean, I. I Obviously, I think this is con- concocted by fans for a reason, plain and simple. But I mean, we that's so, that's that's human race social media for you, right? It is. Um, if somebody wants my opinion, and obviously no, nobody knows who's behind the Canada account, I, my answer I, I think this is a pretty obvious thought, and it's not exciting, but it's probably just a family member of Matt Canada. I mean, somebody who just sees all the crap that he gets. Canada's not scrolling Twitter and seeing how much criticism he's getting, but I'm sure he's got a family in the area that does. And I was on, uh, how would they use, how would they use that? Let's assume it is at Steelers.com. How would they even get, uh, has anybody even tried to send an email to an extension at Steelers.com to see if it bounces? You know, I have not, and I will not be the first to try. Somebody else can, can do so. I I don't know all that kind of stuff, but I think the most logical thing, it's, it it could be a troll, but it could be, I think a family member. I was on a a podcast with, with D and she was at, uh, what what game did they chant fire Canada? The Browns game, the Browns game, they chanted fire mad Canada. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. And she said she was sitting right across from the Canada family and just kind of watching them have to deal, you know, hear that around them. So it's probably just a family member that's, you know, trying to defend Matt Canada. That's probably all this thing is. All right. Uh, Daniel writes in two questions. One is a one is a hard pill to swallow. And the other one is for fun. The first, I feel like I've heard you guys get close to coming out and saying, but if Kenny Pickett went to college anywhere other than Pittsburgh, would the fan base be adamantly calling for him to be jettisoned by now? The second one is what percentage of chance do you give ever seeing TJ Watt score an offensive touchdown as a Steeler in his career? Thanks for what you do and keep up the great analysis and insight. Uh, Look, I mean, I, obviously, because where Kenny went to school, he's got probably a, a larger initial uh, uh, fan base uh, than than normal. But uh, w- would the fan base be Adam if he had went anywhere other? Look, there's a large section right now of, of mm-hmm. the fan base already saying uh, uh, tank the season and, and go get Caleb, you know? Yeah, uh, I've, I've certainly seen that criticism grow pretty rapidly. The biggest thing that is "quote unquote" shielding Pickett is Canada. Once Canada is gone, whether that's fired after this week or parted ways with after the season, if Pickett doesn't play better, then Canada is no longer the guy that you know all the criticism and all the internet jokes and critiques get thrown at. They're going to turn to Kenny Pickett. So, in a lot of ways, because Canada has taken all the heat. It's taken a bit, a bit less from the internet uh, off of Kenny Pickett. 
look, Kenny's got to play better. He's got to start ripping some of these throws. Got to stop, you know, start, you know, Sam Howell ain't afraid to step up in that damn pocket. And sometimes he does it too much, you know, he's getting sacked a ton. Dude. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, but he, he's not fearful. Kenny's just got to have better pocket presence, uh, uh, awareness. And, and some of these, he's just got to let rip, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. there have been some plays that he has not made in my opinion from not turning it loose. Now, it, 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 are there enough of those? No. Uh, but got to start making some of those plays. And I, I think these next four or five games are very crucial in, in the process of seeing where he's at and no, I'm not ready to throw him out with the bathwater or anything, but I do feel like after, you know, we get past the 20 game mark or so, which we're, we're, we're right there, right? He started 16 of them. I guess played in 17 because he came in at halftime in week four. So he's, he's missed, you know, he got bounced in the Ravens game, the first meeting last year. So, but he's basically played a full season a- after this weekend. And and look, has the, pr- has the protection been great for him? No, no. They're, they're, once again, this there are a lot of layers to this thing of what's what's happening with the offense so far. And mm-hmm. some of it's picket, some obviously some of it's Canada, some of it's not having Deontay, some of it's the offensive line. I mean, there's so many things right now uh wrong o- overall. Uh TJ Watt scoring offensive touchdown. When I w- the f- I don't if if such a thing ever happened with, with TJ Watt scoring an offensive touchdown, I envision it happening happening late in his career. You think late in his career? I think that, late in his career. I don't know if you see the thirty something TJ Watt get moved to tight end, not moved, but like I just the, hey, the you know, I, I've, I've done it all. Put me in, you know, put me in on offense, you know. Uh, how whatever that looks like, the only way I could see TJ Watt scoring an offensive touchdown would come at the at near the end of his career. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, tight end in college before making the transition. So he might be able to do it. It'd be kind of fun, but the offense has to look better before you start. Right. And A, I don't think he has any want to right now. I don't think, I think that's the furthest thing from his mind. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he doesn't care about that kind of stuff, but I'm sure if you asked him, do you want to try it? He'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? And and try to match his big brother. I think his brother's got three of them. So that'd be something to watch. But uh, I think the offense has to look much better and flow much better before you start kind of messing around with that kind of stuff. Michael Hewlett writes in the standard is the standard uh, standard is the stuff. And he stops there being above average, barely uh, every year. There's conversations amongst Steelers fans. Is Mike Tomlin on the hot seat? I think for sure. Canada is gone. He says, why not hire Eric the enemy in the off season last year? I know you guys don't do hypotheticals, but let's say we finish nine and eight or eight, nine uh, heads have to roll. Mike Tomlin has done zilt since our loss to Denver six years ago. He says time to move on. Uh, look, regard. I'm, I I don't they even if they went four and thirteen, do you think I, I don't think it would be enough to get Mike Tomlin fired? No, is he talking not, about the enemy as OC or as a head coach? I why not he just says uh why not hire the enemy in the offseason? It had to be as OC. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't specify. Okay. I don't know if the enemy's taking a lateral move. He's in Washington right now. Also threw the ball fifty five straight times last night, so Maybe not the right guy for what Pittsburgh's trying to do offensively. 
All right, uh, let's move on to John DeStefano. Hi, guys. Wanted to chime in on the on the show Wednesday. Dave, don't you feel a bit bad about the show? It was great. Us fans uh, felt both your passion and frustration. Look, I got a lot of it carrying over in my pick <laughs> <laughs> this week. Uh, he says, I was thinking towards the end, this was a great show and an honest show and as usual, but the fire from Alex and the brimstone from Dave at the end made that much better. Most of us fans are beyond frustrated frustrated and to hear the two of you usually level-headed and are on our level makes me and other fans feel better keep up the honest work look it's just it's it, it I, I thought this team i thought this it all boils down to, i thought this team is going to be better than what they are right now through through uh four games on both sides of the football mm-hmm. period and they're and they're not and you and you get into watching the other tape of other teams, you know, especially the Ravens this week, and you think, my God, new offensive coordinator, and and man, look at what they're doing, you know, and it just and and you go through this every week with teams pulling and teams running the same stuff that the that the Steelers run with the you know and look it, it, it's not rocket science here right Alex especially when it comes to the run game it's all about execution and and especially with with some of these core run concepts you might have little tweaks to it here and there but even the core stuff you know, uh, of, of the run game, it feels like it's pulling teeth to get any type of a sliver of some of a lane for the running back to run through. And that's the most disheartening thing, I think, at its core and really on, on a defensive side of football as well, too. Just the base install type stuff is just not getting executed great at all. And then you have the negative plays and and falling behind the chains and it just, it, 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 it all compounds everything else that we talked about with what's wrong with this team and what, you know, Kenny's playing and the play calling the, you know, you want to talk about this offense, not built to, to, to come from behind. This team is not built to come from second and nine or, or second and 11 or second and 14. Heck it, it's, it's barely built to run on second and seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 my frustration comes from, I believe this team has had talent and you've seen this team turn over its personnel and its players. And it feels like, okay, this is the year it's going to get better, especially with the run game, as you mentioned. This is the year. No, this is the year. And then it's the same. And it's just the same. It's the same conversation we're having now as we had last year, as we probably had you know, uh, closer in 2021. And it just really isn't changing despite the pieces changing and you know, guys getting more experienced and the results have just been the same. And last year you had a little bit later bye week. So they, you know, they, then you had the quote unquote continuity of the offensive line and, and all like that, that, but now they went out this off season and, and, and paid more mind to the offensive line. And, and thank God they did. Cause they're already, we, we knew that luck would run out with the injuries there, but uh, you know, you got to, you know, your first round tackles got to automatically all uh, starting in week five, got to start playing like, like a first round tackle. Uh, your two guards who you, who you acquired in free agency better start uh, playing like, like guys that you went out purposely to go get uh, the guy that you gave money to it. Right. You know, it is, 
it's just disheartening. And are we going, is it going to be another season of having to piece together the final seven games and go five to five and two just to get a game over 500? Right. No, I, it, it's just, it's groundhog day. It's the same, same conversation, same seasonal outlook uh, for the past couple of years. Let me just ask you this here really quickly, and we can talk about it more Monday, but if something were to happen in terms of a coaching change, that news probably drops at like 7, 8 a.m., maybe before we get on the podcast Monday. Does Matt Canada remain the Steelers' OC through the bye week and we'll just say through the rest of the season? You're asking me to predict whether or not he's fired after this game? Essentially, yes. I mean, look, I, I, I'm going to play the odds here. I've got to play the odds and say no. But I, I will say that if if I will I will lend more plausibility to the way I opened up the show here that if there and it's not new, it's it's, it's a it's a discussion that that we've had. If ever you were going to do this, it would probably be at a bye week, and it, uh, especially if you get blown out by Baltimore at home, coming off of the the, the Thursday presser and all the whatever you want to call that this past week with, 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 with Canada and all like that. If, if ever it was going to happen, it feels like it would be next week. So uh, I'm not going to, I promise the only way I would frame this after the fact is if it happened is that that was, I'm, I'm not going to be an, I told you so, you know, because mm-hmm. there's, there's nothing there to point to, predicting something like this happening. I will only point back to if ever there was an, uh, 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 a, a perfect storm for it to happen, that would have been it. If that makes sense. It does. And I agree. I'm going to, I'm going to play the odds and say he's not fired, but you're saying that door is open. There's a possibility of that occurring. And thanks to Mike Tomlin adding it, I still wonder about that at this mm-hmm. juncture. I, I wonder what that means. I, I think I wa- it's clear what that means. I, I wonder. I, mean. I wonder if that ups the level of plausibility percentage to what whatever it, it is to whatever it, it 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 could be. That at that that from from Tomlin Tuesday that really caught me. To 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 over to put the tinfoil hat on and try to read and I look I'm a I'm the king if if nobody does that nobody does that more than me and trying to pick out these little things like this and 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 nine times out of ten it's it's man you had the chin strap on way too tight but if ever there was something to hyper focus on I think with your tinfoil hat on it would be at this juncture statement sure. from Tomlin. No, you're right, because he didn't have to say that. He could have just said, no, I'm not considering coaching changes. Even if he wanted to fire somebody later in the season, he could reconsider it later. But he did mention that, and that is, I think, notable and well-caught by you. And I, I I took my own advice and tried to research, has there ever been a coach that's been fired in Pittsburgh midseason? And I could not find one. I asked some buddies, do you know of anybody in the closest thing I can find, and maybe there's something before this or, or more, more recent than this, uh, 1941, when Buff Dinelli, the head coach of Pittsburgh, uh, he was coaching both Duquesne in college and the Steelers. And the NFL said, you got to pick. You can't do both. And he he didn't get fired, but he, he left Pittsburgh to go just coach Duquesne because they were a far better team. And so to me, that is the last example I can find of a coach leaving in the middle of a season. 
And look, a lot of the predictions and, and speculation and things that we do on the site and, and this show is built upon what 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 the tarot cards have read in the past and trends and 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 franchise uh, history and all like that. That's why nothing lets me point to even going out on a bold prediction and saying, okay, yeah, th th this would be the week. All I will say and continue to say is that if ever there was a more plausible situation, it would be after this game, a blowout loss, you score uh, one, uh, not, this team has four, this team has, oh Lord. Uh, Here we go. This team has four offensive touchdowns. Two of them are, are, are uh, triple explosive plays or more. Four, four offensive touchdowns through through four games. The Ravens defense has allowed how many uh how many offensive possession touchdowns? I don't know for sure. Not a lot. They're the third best scoring defense in football through the first month. Oh, uh, hold on just a minute, because that 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 stat was out there just yesterday as well, too. Uh they have not given up given up a rushing touchdown. I think you already stated that, right? Right. And Pittsburgh has zero rushing touchdowns. If they don't have a rushing touchdown in this game, it'll be a franchise first. They've gone five games in a row to start a season without a rushing score. And they have allowed three passing receiving touchdowns. Okay. So the three rate. offensive touchdowns this right. season. Right. So what the hell makes you think? <laughs> do you do you do you want to go ahead and recut your uh, score prediction and be inserted into the show at this point hey, or no? I was the only one picking against Pittsburgh last week. I mean, nobody okay. in the national media, local media. Again, we, we, we talked about I don't have a good reason for it, but we know Steelers Ravens are weird, man. And Pittsburgh. Tell me if I'm wrong. Pittsburgh plays their best. Oh, yeah. Backed into a corner. Look, if if there ever if there will ever be one thing to point to is is or not, not necessarily point to say you would say that was so Steelers it would be the recap of the game. Yeah, you picked against the, the Browns in week two, not on any sort of like X's and O's reason, but just the history and the trends and the Steelers beat the Browns, which you were correct about. I picked. Yeah, but I got a couple more games of tape now, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm trying to find something here. So, I mean, could they lose? Sure. Look, and, and yeah, look it, it would be very Steelers like once again. And, and, and I put this out on Twitter uh, after after the Texans games. It would be so Steelers like to win 17, 16 and us and, and the fan base be even more upset than they are now. <laughs> I don't if, know they, if that's upset. possible. I don't know, but but you have you actually what convinced me in part was your stat. They're eleven and wow. two when they when they lose in blowout fashion. That's Damn the me to hell. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, look, I mean, uh, quite a storyline, right? Three and three and two entering the buy and leading the AFC North, <laughs> and everybody's happy. Oh wait, no, no, they're not. But All that's right. how it goes in Pittsburgh. All right, that's a great place for us to end before I get on another any kind of other, other rant here. Uh, thank you for all the emails. Keep them coming. We'll try to get as uh, as usual as many. We've already run way too long on this show. Uh, we will be back talking about this game on Monday. A lot of stuff on the site, obviously, throughout the weekend. I invite you to visit SteedersDepot.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at SteedersDepot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, 
theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do, want to donate to the cause, steedersdepot.com, find the donate button on mobile or, or, or desktop. Uh, want an ad-free uh, uh, account, uh, go the same route there. Look, if you haven't been over to Apple or whatnot recently to, re- to review the site, you want to make fun of my stutter and you want to make fun of, you want to just, just go there and give an honest review of the site and all like that. We haven't, we haven't gave a shout out uh, for people to do that. And I, I understand sometimes we can get long winded and, and all like that. And, you know, the show's still going to get listened to, but if you have time, run over to Apple or whatnot and, and, and give a review over there. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever. Uh, all right, Alex, uh, good job. Boy, some great stuff. Uh, the scouting reports as usual, just absolutely fantastic this morning, Friday morning on steedersdepot.com. So if you listen to this a couple of days later, you might have to dig for those. Just search scouting, uh, in the search bar and you should be able to find those, but the guys put a lot of work. There's a lot of cut ups of the all 22 in there and uh, a lot of great info to help get you ready for Steelers versus Ravens. Thanks once again to Jonas Schaefer for coming on the show. And as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.